Good vibes and acts of kindness, everybody. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Valorant Show every Thursday at p.m. Eastern right here on Twitch, the ESPN app, on Twitter, and on YouTube, where we break down all things Valorant. We got lots of roster news to talk about. We have a tournament in progress in EU, and we have the PAX Arena tournament happening next weekend in N.A., we got Arda, Emily, Tyler, and Jacob with you for the next hour or so to break things down. Lots to get to, so let's get right to it. The We Play Invitational, the Swiss round-robin format happening right now, Tyler. And we almost had an upset. We almost, 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 G2 almost uh, lost to Party Parrots. Uh, Party Parrots took Game 1, then they went uh, to overtime in Game 2, but then G2 was able to hold out. But uh, so far, so good. Pretty good action so far. Yeah, it's actually been quite good. I actually want to give kudos who we play. They might have the crispest production I've seen so far of any Valorant tournament, just from graphics to design to just the overall presentation has been really slick, especially in this you know global pandemic that we are in. A lot of these tournaments are being run outside of homes where this is actually from a studio. Obviously, players aren't there, but the the production quality is actually really good and the games so far have been actually quite exciting i think g2 versus party parrots has been one of my favorite series in recent memory just it was a really close series party parrots i think have been overlooked a bit because obviously they didn't win the vitality open didn't make the finals but they were kind of the number one european team before g2 kind of came together last week so i'm i think that might be the final that we have you know in the in the distance possibly i think uh, those are probably the two best teams alongside Nip, who is kind of the prodigy team from the Vitality Open, now on Ninjas and Pajamas. Uh, uh, Cree and Fear and Hip, who's the only player in the world really playing Rena at the moment. So, and Lucker and Ryan, like, they're, we, have, we have some good European talent. Like, it's actually a really good tournament. I think this is one of the better tournaments we've seen from Europe. Uh, I do think G2 are the favorites, but it, it's going it, to be a tough one because Party Parrots came so ever so close and... Adinksa on the Cypher Operator had some amazing shots in that in that series. So, so far, so good. I think the one interesting thing that's been, uh, that I've enjoyed throughout this tournament, and they obviously, like, they uh, played against uh, Ninjas in Pajamas and lost, is Fish123. Obviously, they are going under Fish123, but as we reported, they are going to be Team Liquid. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm... I thought they were better than Ninjas in Pajamas, and I know that series was close. But nonetheless, uh, I don't know. Like, I want to see how this team does as we go throughout the rest of the tournament, especially tomorrow um, when they have to play Party Parrots to see if they'll uh, stay in the tournament or not. Yeah, that's going to be a really, really interesting match, actually. Because I, as the, like, big Fish 1-2-3 proponent, uh, I'm actually super excited to see that they got signed, so we can talk about that in a bit. But um, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I guess, they haven't been performing as well as they did uh, previously. Obviously, part of that... Uh, people are going to point to is the fact that Artis is no longer on the roster as well. Um, obviously, adding Scream is, you know, a huge a huge benefit. Like he's also an insane player. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing how the core of Fish One Two Three plus Scream ends up working out. Just because I've been rooting for these guys for a while, and I'm glad that a big org finally decided to pick them up. And the 
Fish one two three party parrots and NIP uh, G two matches tomorrow will be really interesting. The thing about a fish one two three I want to hit on really quickly is that they don't have an operator right now, and Eccles yeah. has kind of stepped into that role on the Omen, and he looked pretty good on it. But the thing is, it's not just losing artists; it's losing that primary confident op- uh, operator player you can just kind of lean back on. I mean, almost every single top tier team has that ace operator player, and for fish one two three slash Team Liquid, Scream's not gonna be that player. He's probably he's gonna be a rifler player. So Eccles kind of has to step in and be that operator. So it's gonna take time, most likely, for you know Team Liquid slash fish one two three to really hit their peak with this team. But he's young. Eccles is a young player. He looked pretty good on the operator. But when you're playing against guys like Dinks and Shao and and uh, and artists, obviously, it, you're gonna you're gonna have some trouble. And Lucker as well. Like a lot of really good operator players in this tournament. And Fish One Two Three just doesn't have that, you know, confident ace operator player right now. So that might hold them back. Artist is second in the tournament right now with a two sixty seven average combat score and a point nine one uh, kills per round ratio. In terms of KD, uh, it's actually Lucker. Uh, from Ninjas in Pajamas, who's leading the way with a 1.39. So, yeah, the mm. tournament continues. We're going to see that throughout the weekend. But now let's talk about EU. Uh, we, uh, you, uh, When I say we, I mean Jacob and Tyler reported that Team Liquid will be entering Professional Valorant. They're going to be signing the remainder of Fish 123, minus Ardis, of course, who's with G2. Uh, and Scream, who's one of the most sought-after mm. free agents in the EU scene. Also Ninjas in Pajamas, completing their roster with the hip, 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 hooray. Uh, with the uh, French contingent joining uh, Rhyme and Lucker on that roster. Uh, so we're getting... W- what is exciting about this is we're getting more European teams because now we can at least begin to phase out the representation agencies putting together teams to showcase their players, and now we can have amateur teams getting looked at by more orgs in eu that might be looking to get into the scene so i find this all extremely encouraging and now we can finally get some top tier competition where we're not just always choosing g2 to win all the time who wants to go first on that one (laughs) jacob looks looks the most uh perturbed about this I mean, I think we're going to get top-tier competition regardless of big rosters coming in or not. I think that the we've said it time and time again on this show, but it's worth reiterating that European orgs are much more cautious about spending money than uh, a lot of the North American orgs are. And actually, if you look at it, uh, G2 is heavily North American funded. Obviously, Ardo, you, you and I spent some time with Carlos earlier in the year pre-COVID that like he was talking about relocating himself to North America, to New York. And they took on investment from uh, the parent company of the Brooklyn Nets, like a very sizable investment, right? So G2's kind of always been willing to throw money around uh, since that they sort of made it as an org. And you can't see me right now, but made it in air quotes in terms of, <laughs> of kind of like becoming incredibly popular and becoming a, a tier one organization after being promoted into LCS, EU LCS a few years ago. Um, and yeah, like... Liquid is also a North American-owned organization. Yes, they are founded by a European, and Victor uh, Victor Goosen's Nazgul, um, and he is still heavily involved. He's co-CEO of the team and uh, oversees a lot of their Counter-Strike stuff also, but Counter-Strike team's North American. Ownership group is North American. They are a lot more loose with their money. Ninjas and Pajamas was a little bit more surprising, I think, because their financial solvency is not as thick as, as Liquid or G2. Um, but I'm I'm not, like... I think we will see more big orgs get into the space. 
like the fanatics of the world and others. But I also think that that some of those orgs, the big orgs in Europe, are not. They have to make sure the hit rate on Valorant's going to return itself mm-hmm. eventually, right? Like they can't be if if Valorant fails for whatever reason, like G two and Liquid can take the hit and move mm-hmm. on and find something else to be a part of, right? Like they've been in games like that before. The fanatics of the worlds, the excels of the worlds, you know, the others, like, they can't take as much of a hit in that regard. So I think that a lot of the European organizations are going to be a lot slower, but I do eventually think they will move on it. Like, by the end of the year, I'd be shocked if we don't see another, like, three or four big EU teams uh, scoop up our rosters. I mean, I think the other thing is one of the reasons why we're so, like, heavily focused on NA is because they were signing a lot of top-tier talent from other games, uh, both CS and Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, uh, PUBG with the, the signing of Team High Ground to 100 Thieves. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think, like, I don't think that's actually, uh, affected the level of competition in Europe as much as people think it has. Like, I feel like the perception is that Europe is not as strong in Valorant because big orgs aren't getting involved, but I actually disagree with that. Um... I think that Europe, European teams, from what I've seen, they play a lot, like, faster and looser with some of their compositions. Like, uh, you have people taking risks on Sageless compositions before any teams did. Like, you have, you have teams, I guess, experimenting a bit more. But as for, like, the overall general competition, like, yes, do I think the the top organizations right now, like, the top teams in Valorant are in North America? Yes. I don't think Europe is as far behind as people think they are. And I certainly don't think that because like big orgs haven't signed teams thus far, that it means that the European competition is like super far behind. I think the thing with Europe right now is that NA has just been better at branding. And I think it just hit Mm. better in North America so far. It's very similar. And I know Jacob and Emily both can speak on this. It's very similar to League of Legends, right? Like, when League of Legends first started for so many years, it was like NA, you know, NA streamers, NA talent, all the publicity was NA, and it was such a bigger region than in Europe popularity wise. And it's very similar right now in NA. Like Kiko draws twenty thousand plus viewers per stream, mm. which is sometimes twice as much as a European tournament. The NA Ignition Series tournament peaked over fifty thousand viewers without having you know any other player really streaming it. Like if you had you know Brax and Wardell streaming the Ignition Series Finals plus the mainstream, it probably would have been over 100,000. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you go on YouTube and look up T1 versus TSM, Valorant, whatever, it has over 350, 400,000 views. It's right now, I, I do think it's partially because of the big names in the scene, right, where it's a T1 versus TSM series, no matter who's playing, is a draw. People want to see those two teams. There's already being narratives being drawn in NA, where when you look over to EU, it's like, hey, guys, let's watch No Planky versus Party Parrots. It doesn't have that same ring to it, right? And and if Europe wants to be a big region in Valorant, like, the Party Parrots and the No Plankies of the world shouldn't be there in six months. Like, those should be, you know, Navi versus Fnatic games, right? You want those type of wars because that's what builds the stories out. And I think NA has done a really good job so far of building organic growth in streamers and the competition. Look at Wardell. Wardell's literally, I've said this time and time again, Wardell went from a 100, 200 viewer stream three months ago, and now he averages 10K. And he's been, and it's mostly just been A, because he's done so well in tournaments. B, the NA tournaments have done better than the EU tournaments viewership-wise and just publicity-wise. 
And see, Wardell's taken the ball and ran with it. And Arda, yeah. I think you can speak on this as well. Is he he saw the he he's kind of transformed himself. He's transformed into this Tyler one being that has the is the personality of Tyler one with the skills of Faker. Where it's like you're taking this high, high, high level play and putting in a personality where he's screaming profanities every five seconds, and it's exciting to watch. And people are drawn to him because he's a big personality. Where when you look at Europe right now, you have Mixwell who's doing amazing. Mixwell's streams of the tournament games do far better than the actual streams of the tournament. It's Mixwell and who else? Scream. Scream's also doing well, but he's kind of been, you know, he, he's kind of stopped streaming regularly since, you know, joining Fish One Two Three and ensure getting through the Team Liquid process. But like it's Mixwell and Scream. They need more people to kind of raise the bar in Europe, and you need bigger orgs to kind of publish, like, to make these guys bigger. Because Argus is a great personality. If you actually watch Mixel's stream, Argus is hilarious. He's he is really, really he has a really good personality. They just we need more orgs to boost up these personalities, like NA has with you know Hiko and Brax and Tens and Wardell. I think Riot could do a better job of that too. By the way, yeah. in terms of like, I think that they could elevate the because to Emily's point, like. The top players in North America, many of them are transplants from other games, Counter-Strike, Overwatch, uh, etc. In in Europe, right, like there there are those players like Mixwell and Scream that are that were very popular in Counter-Strike, but like people like to like Tyler said, like Artist is a good example of this, like probably one of the best players in all of Europe, but has absolutely no like brand equity in terms of the space, right? Like people don't really unless you really follow it, like you don't know who he is and you don't care who he is. And Riot, like right. I hope that Riot, even though they're kinda of taking laissez faire, like hands off approach uh to this first year, like I hope that they do a good job of telling those stories. Um about about those players. Like through the ignition series, right? Like following them from like one event to another and sort of like telling those stories as as they emerge. One thing with yeah. artists is that there was uh, there was that week where people were, uh, I guess that story had come out on whether he had cheated or not, but then he got exonerated. Riot did an investigation. He was completely exonerated, and Riot told him so. I'm glad that uh, he was able to go through that and come out the other side better, obviously because he didn't do anything wrong, and Riot confirmed that when they investigated. So it's good that uh, he's able to put that behind him. And... This leads us to, uh, not really a segue here, but moving on to the next signing here, uh, C9 signing Mitch, moving to North mm -hmm. America now. Uh, a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, yeah, yeah did, wasn't he already signed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not really exciting. He's been playing C9 for like three months. Not yeah, super yeah, exciting. What a so surprise! It's official now. <laughs> yeah, whoa, hey. Uh, yeah, so what, what is, okay, here's my question then. What is taking C9 so long to make things official with these players? Uh, I mean, I mean, contracts are difficult, especially during the pandemic. Like, I'm sure going through lawyers and such isn't the easiest thing. And B, I'm guessing it's just a, it, it's the whole trial period, right? Like, Cloud9 has, they're, they've been so hot and cold where every other tournament, they're either making a final or they're bombing out in group stages. So it's hard to really pinpoint down and kind of uh, just sign everyone, even though they've been kind of signed for a long time outside of the fifth spot, which was supposed to be Infinite, but Infinite quit Valorant to go back to CS after a few tournaments. So not super surprising. I don't think we have to talk much about Mitch. I think he's a solid player. He's been he lo he's been looking good on the stage since trans you know tra transitioning to that agent. Uh, I think the final two spots are going to be very interesting. I think they really need to nail down those final two spots. I think Vice will probably be one of them. I think I thought Vice played uh, uh, quite well in their last tournament. It's just really finding that fifth person. And if they can find the right fifth mm. person, 
than because Shinobi has been the one that's been getting the most trash talked by you know Shinobi when you look at his stats is not good at all it's really bad if you actually just look at the pure stats he's at the lowest of the low of all pro players really in terms of kills kill differential but he's a shot caller right in game leader so it, it's it's gonna be interesting if they sign Shinobi Shinobi's gonna be the one interesting for me because if they sign Shinobi they're really gonna they're believing in him they're gonna believe in Shinobi and, and want him to be that leader on the team but we'll see if they actually want to believe in someone whose stats are glowing I think the other thing that, like, I, I know I, like, keep bringing it up, so maybe, like, I'm the, I'm the downer, although I don't think this is necessarily a down thing to say, but, like, the they don't have to lock in their roster ASAP, right? Like, I actually like that teams like C9, we talked about this with FaZe as well, right, where they're just, like, obviously we kind of know who's going to end up on FaZe, but, like, if they want to change, if they want to just try it out for a few tournaments, like the fact that we have a very like comparatively loose tournament structure that people don't have to lock in franchises or anything, I actually think that's super beneficial because you can actually try teams out. You can see how people perform together in like a stage environment before handing them like massive contracts and I, th I think that's actually really valuable so I don't think it's a bad thing that C9 hasn't signed their lineup like sure Mitch was expected because he's played with them for forever and like I actually kind of like how C9 has marketed it and like joked around with it as tens and friends like oh he could show <laughs> up with anyone like and obviously he's not going to because they have a, a good understanding of what they want their team to be and like how they want it to work and they're testing out synergy but I like that the looseness, like the comparative looseness of the competitive format right now allows for them to do so, and I don't think it's a bad thing whatsoever. We should mention as well that uh, there were two Korean players that mm -hmm. had changed their Twitter bios uh, to reflect that they were signed with C9 and quickly changed it, so there might <laughs> very well be an announcement soon that C much like T1 mm -hmm. that is operating a team they, actually, T1 is operating three teams, technically. One yeah. NA team, one Academy team, and then mm -hmm. one South Korean team. C9 might be doing the same thing with mm -hmm. an NA team and a South Korean team very soon. Yeah, there's uh, a, the first Korean Ignition tournament, I believe, is this month. It should be this month. It's either this month or early next month. It's hosted by a pretty sizable org, from what I know. So uh, there will be teams being built in Korea to see if you know you can, we can get Korea's scene alive. Which is which has been pretty static. It's, uh, it's been pretty dead for a long time. Compared, to, compared to Japan, Japan is the real Asian superpower right now in Valorant. Where kind of we all thought it would be Korea, but it's actually Japan who's balling out in terms of viewership and support and which players and leagues. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Like very unexpected, but very very cool. Jacob, uh, two more orgs that made announcements were Envy and Renegades. Envy signing the former now Together We Are Terrific and Renegades signing the former Big Frames. Uh, shout out to the Canadian on that team whose username is Randy Savage. So every time I talk about them, I will be doing the Randy <laughs> Savage voice whenever they have good highlights. Uh, but you want to give us an example of that right Ooh, now, by the way? I don't know what I'm thinking, thinking. Oh, yeah, dig it. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> see, the thing is, I can't, I can't do it because Emily <laughs> always flames everything I do that has anything That's to do with true. humor. So I'm like, ah, I can't. I, I don't want to do anything funny anymore. That's um, not hey, true. Envy, back to Envy for a second, Jacob. Uh, this is interesting because Hastro just made a huge announcement, right? He changed... Uh, 
he changed uh, to become what chief gaming officer. I think he has mm-hmm. a new role in the company. He is still owner, but uh, Envy's still moving forward uh, with with Valorant signing. A, this is a pretty big signing, actually. Probably one of the bigger ones in terms of free agent signings. Yeah, the I like the ter- together we are terrific uh, signing a lot. Like I think that this team has a really high upside. You know, I look at some of the teams in the space who transplanted transplanted from Counter Strike, and some of them I have very strong feelings about what their ceilings were in CS, and I like, and I have, uh, and it influences my opinion on what they potentially can be in Valorant, right? Because I think some of it, while the the game is marginally different, and obviously I don't think skill is one to one. There are some players who just never can make it to the highest level of a game because of other things outside of game. Right and but with this together we are terrific roster. I I think they actually have a pretty high ceiling. I think that they were definitely the best unsigned North American team. Um and and I you know even FNS like he's someone who you hear really great things about everyone he played with in CS. He wasn't always the highest skill player and he ended up on some teams where obviously like they were incredibly unsuccessful, but. Nonetheless, like he's a good team captain and and someone that everybody speaks very highly of in uh, the way that he behaves, and and that's a good thing. So I like I'm cool with this signing. I think that the MV signing is uh, is good. The Renegade signing, like <laughs> the the way I feel about it is like kind of indifferent, right? Like this yeah. is another this is another one of those orgs that like they want to be in the space because they want to be in the space because it's the relevant thing to be in right now in esports, but like. Renegades isn't like super financially well off, right? Like they're not like a they're not in the same like funding bracket as Envy and Cloud9 and TSM and and some of the others who have jumped into the T1 who have jumped into North American Valorant space so far. So like Renegades wants to be a part of the conversation, but like I still don't feel like they're like this is not something that made me go, "Oh wow, I'm so excited." It it just kind of is whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. You like, need the those teams. Roster's not bad. Yeah, so. yeah you, 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 need, you need you need a depth. You need depth. Of yeah, teams they are they are that team that might upset once in a while, but I think it's fine. Like they weren't in my top like twelve or thirteen or fourteen amateur teams, but they're, they're probably they're top twenty. Shout they're out to top- them. Shout out to them using the old Rag Games logo on their announcement graphic, by the way. So. <laughs> Uh, we also heard through the PAX Arena uh, announcements of teams that will be playing that Complexity Gaming is jumping into Valorant. Uh, as of right now, we don't know exactly who will be part of the roster. We have some guesses on who pres- the roster pres- might be. Presume some from from social media. It's I, I think that there, contract a meme will will leak it every time. I mean, it's the so- contract meme. It looks like, I mean, it looks right now. If you look, use context clues. We are all highly intellectual adults here. We can all use our brains here. Uh, it looks like Ohi, uh, very obviously, might be on the team. Also, Calm mm-hmm. from uh, Mythic CSGO. I think Calm is a really interesting one. Uh, from every, Calm has kind of been quiet. He, he was very hyped up early on in the beta period where everyone's like, Calm is like one of the, the big names to come out of it. And kind of when all these amateur teams like Together We Are Terrific and China Win and Code 7 and all these teams are forming together, he kind of got left out and he really hasn't been playing in a lot of, you know, these big tournaments. But he's a player that I've kind of always heard great things about. So if Calm is on this complexity team, that's a, that's a good pickup from them. But 
there's other names that I've, you know, there's a, like Lasky. Lasky is also a big name that's been thrown around of like, I know C9 tried him out for a trial. A few other teams have looked at him. There is talent still in NA. I don't know if you would want to pick up a, a, a current uh, five-stack amateur team. I don't know. I don't think any of those teams are game changers, except maybe Code 7. But there is, like, singular talent out there that you could pick up to make a pretty interesting team for complexity. Let me tell you something about Jason Lake. I have known <laughs> him for a very long time. <laughs> Uh, CEO of Complexity, um, and he, he's been in this space for a very long time, all the way back to the very, very, very beginnings of Counter-Strike. He's actually on the Eco a couple of weeks ago, and if there's anything I've learned about Jason over the past couple of years, so getting to know him better, reporting on him, spending some time with his investors in the Goff family and the Jones family who own the Cowboys in Dallas a few years ago for a story, is that uh, they take a much slower approach to esports, and sometimes it pays off really big, right? Like, I think, and I know Jason has negotiated with top teams in, in Counter-Strike before, but the financial swing it takes to put a player under contract for twenty twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 a month in that game did not outweigh the possibility of recruiting young talent, building that talent, and then winning events like Blast like they did a few weeks ago, right? And I, I have a feeling that, that that mentality is going to transition into Valorant. This team may not come out guns blazing. I definitely don't expect them to perform as highly as FaZe or Honor Thieves at PAX. Maybe I'm wrong. But nonetheless, I expect that if they sign players, they will sign players and evaluate them. I imagine some of the players will probably move to Dallas sooner rather than later once they can, and it's safe to do so. And we will see this team get, we'll see how they do together, and we will see them slowly get changed out for, to build a better team and they will build from the, the bottom up rather than sign the expensive five-stack and try to go out swinging like some of these other orgs have. So, I, I mean, I like that. all that to say, like, I think they will eventually be a notable team in here. I expect them to start uh, middle of the pack. Considering what's out there, that middle of the pack wouldn't be that bad. No, not yeah. at all. Not at all. Arda, yeah, the team. I, I know we have a complexity on there, but the team I'm kind of eyeing at is Phase, because mm. we know Phase has Jason R. Uh, we know they have Corey. Mm -hmm. uh, they played with Marv and Zachary and Depp and Som, mm -hmm. and you know a little bit of tea here, a little bit of tea. You know, get ready to clip this and post it on you know social oh media. Is that, I mean, there. I mean, I've been told by sources, sources that awesome. a. Uh, uh, that a uh, a Overwatch League player might be eyeing that roster to join up with Corey to you know Zachary Corey a third Overwatch League player you know. couldn't be the one that just retired from the Houston yeah who could it be what a coincidence who could it be could be anyone a wink a dink there's so wow. many Overwatch League players retiring and quitting and mm. saying they're gonna leave and playing Valorant 24/7 so. I mean, it, I'm excited to see that phase roster because I, I would presume this will be the debut of Jason R and uh, and Corey. And but what if it isn't? What if it is the, the Corey five stack? We we don't know. That's the thing. We don't mm -hmm. know. We haven't heard any official announcement from Phase beyond the two announcements before the T1 Invitational. And the reason I kept them in my rankings on Tyler's rank, uh, power ranking show was because they had such a great placement there. I felt like they warranted remaining in the top 10 on shaky ground. If They are playing in PAX Arena, which is a great sign, because if they weren't, I would take them out of the top 10. No. 
But we need to see more from FaZe. We need to hear more about what this team is going to look like, especially now with so many teams picking up players. There isn't much left in terms of the current iteration of the talent pool, Emily, that it's starting to thin. So you got to wonder, announcement has to be coming soon. So I kind of disagree. Like I said earlier, I don't think it's bad that they're like trying people out and they could they could like just run it back with the roster that they were experimenting with. I do think we're going to see some, yeah, X, X Overwatch pros making, uh, at the very least, maybe they'll be on the test roster for PAX or something, uh, which could be interesting. But I don't know. Like, I, again, like, I don't have as much of a problem with, people not immediately signing five stacks or immediately signing players. Like I like watching the scene develop as organically as possible. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that teams trying out a variety of players like this um, and seeing how they perform is, is a good thing. So I don't think we need to hear anything from phase. I mean, maybe for your power rankings, you do like, because you want to see where the team is at and you can't really rate the team if you don't know the roster. Um, but I don't fall out of the power rankings if they're, yeah, there you go. Um, but like, I, I don't think it's necessarily, again, like I, I'll never say it's like a super bad thing that teams haven't like definitively said, like, this is our lineup. Um, that being said, I am looking, I am curious to see what lineup they will feel that packs. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but I also think is that we now have what 12 orgs. And the thing is, you can't just trial players out, especially when they're good, right? Like, you can't just be like, hey, Marv, you know, play on our trial team when you are a one of the best Brimstones in North America. There's going to be other orgs looking at you. And I think that's the only takeaway, right? In, in Europe, I feel like you can do that easily because there's not so many orgs looking to sign talent. But if you're a phase and it's like, hey, let's try out Marv over and over and over, Marv might get you know, get another offer. Like, like the thing with... Yeah. Right. With, with Psalm was Psalm had other was was trialing for other teams when he trialed for FaZe. So these yeah. players aren't just trialing for one team or looking at one team. And in the in the global pandemic era, if you get a, an offer from a team which might not be as good as FaZe, but they're still giving you a salary for the next year, hopefully, and that you can live off of, you're probably going to take that instead of being trialed over and over. So yeah. I do. I, I I'm not saying that trialing players isn't isn't good. I do like the fluidity and the organic growth and finding the five stack that really works for that team. But NA right now is pretty competitive. There is a lot of big orgs looking to sign players. So you just can't trial all these, especially top talent like Marv and, and Zachary and uh, players like that. I still so, think that's a good thing. Cause I'll always side with players having more agency. Yeah, true. But, I mean, yeah. and, and for them to have more options is absolutely clutch for the players. Of course they should be trialing with yep. multiple orgs until they sign with an org and then then they can be exclusive. A couple things in the chat before we move on. Uh, All-Star11 says Jason R said on stream it's unlikely he'll play in packs. So obviously Ooh, we haven't so heard that. So they're still ourselves. going with their test roster. Okay. So well th and that now if the, if that is the case, mm -hmm. that leads me to question now what his mm -hmm. role is on the roster yeah. at all. Is is he? Yeah. Because he was initially announced as team captain, so yeah. that insinuates yeah. that he would be playing. So if he's not playing for two consecutive events here, is he a streamer? Is he leading the Valorant content division? Mm -hmm. Like I, the, now, there's like some question marks if this coach, is the case. Maybe? Yeah, that's weird. Right? Yeah. Right. That he is should, kind he of weird. Be playing. Yeah, he should I, be playing. I, I, I'm actually really surprised to hear that. But thank you to whoever in chat said that. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. 
Thank you. Yeah, also, if that is the him. case, that's that's that that's is a really big deal. weird. And like, oh uh, yeah, is he just going to step back and be like a player coach while they yeah. kind of let the entire roster be designed around Corey? I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but then it's weird that he was like their first signing. More questions and, and, and established like right. team captain. That is very weird. Yeah, exactly. Why name him team captain and then all of a sudden not have him compete? Exactly, Emily. That's a exa- very good point. Like, what's the point of the team captain moniker then? Exactly. <laughs> yep. uh, the other thing is a lot of people in chat are throwing out the name Baby Bay. Uh, yes, that, that was, that was who? Who's that? Who's that? Who's not that? for anyone that I would totally oh. mention that just retired I, from Overwatch. I will say, though, is there a player right now, a free agent, who who is more phased than Baby Bay? Would that be the most, like, no, it'd be one-to-one signing of oh, all time? Oh, yeah, good point. Like, good point. Like, it'd be perfect. And, like, aren't the, um, so, like, aren't the Atlanta rain, don't they share yeah, some it's... people with Atlanta <laughs> phase? Yeah, so, like, it's, like, it's not that he doesn't, like, already know the management group. Just throwing that out there. That yeah, there, there's a, cool a there's enough synergy combo, to make that work. Yeah. He, yeah. he is, yeah. he is the, the vibe. And he's a, he's a big personality, like. He's very I, fun. I do not say this is an insult to Baby Bay, but I have not any, met anyone more bro in Overwatch than Baby Bay. He's a very <laughs> sweet, he's a very sweet human being who I've had many a deep conversation with. But he, yeah, he is yeah. very bro. He's, he's very great. He's a great, he's a great, he's a great he's a fantastic dude. interview. Well, also, That's the thing with Baby Bay is that he's an in-game leader. So yeah, you know, if he yeah. comes into if he comes into phase, well, you would probably presume that he would probably maybe take over that captain role. So. It's a it's no. a thing of we should say we should say that this is all speculation. This is all speculation. Yeah. speculation. Literally all speculation. reading chat here, so this is all speculation. It's all speculation. Let's, all speculation, Tyler. We'll we'll Completely clip it and and tweet it when we're right. <laughs> right, but we right exactly, and we'll leave out the spec. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Pulse Invitational. Gen G mm. picking up the dub, Emily. Oh, uh, they looked very very good. C nine also looked good. Made it all the way yeah. to the finals. Uh, in, the, in, TSM. The, in the thing, I'm not betting on them to do well. Mm. They do well. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, same with yeah. me and Gen G. So I'm yeah. back in Gen G and they <laughs> flopped. At, you know. I would have picked TSM. But anyway, uh, I'm actually super happy that Gen G did, did well in this event. Um, I, don't, I don't know what it is about C9. I don't know if it's the fact that they you know, maybe stopped uh, throwing around some more of those sageless comps that they definitely did not look comfortable on um, mm-hmm. when they were playing in their previous event, which I did, like, attribute to a lot of their struggles, actually, is that they they just kept coming out with these sageless comps and they didn't really look super comfortable on how to play them because you are just afforded so many fewer opportunities to peak because you have no healer. Um, you kind of have to, like rush in and be aggressive and, and know how you're going to uh, have a formation going in, um, which is also why people were trying them on Ascent. Anyway, that's what I attributed a lot of their struggles to in the previous event. So it was, it was actually really nice to see them bounce back. It's also why, like, because C9, like, I feel like our our expectations, kind of similar to Gen G, right? Like you said, Arda, our expectations for both of these teams, like, I feel like fluctuate dramatically based on whatever their previous performance was because they've had tournaments where they have not performed as well and they've had tournaments where they've like exceeded expectations because mm-hmm. they did poorly at the previous event. But C9 versus TSM is actually why like and I 
I don't want to transition into this too early, but like I know people were saying like, oh, is TSM like sandbagging? Are they not trying as hard, et cetera, et cetera? Like I don't think losing to C9 is particularly like bad, if that makes sense. Like I don't think C9 is like such a bad team that we weren't expecting anything from them that it's suddenly like, yes, were we expecting TSM to beat C9? Obviously. But I I don't think this is like as bad of a loss as people are making it out to be. No, I don't know, though. Maybe you guys disagree, but like I feel like the reaction was like really overblown in terms of like, oh my gosh, TSM are definitely not trying for this event. Uh, my opinion on TSM versus Cloud9 is one, uh, Arda, uh, I believe we brought this up on the Monday ranking shows that Sub Rosa was in chat saying we were trying out new things. Mm-hmm. And they did try new things. Uh, they put yeah. Cutler on Rays. And, you know, uh, as as Jacob would probably say, uh, Hayes and Cutler are the washed-up duo, the, the old <laughs> men of the team. I think they're just experienced and the veterans <laughs> of the squad. So, you know, putting Cutler on it, usually, you know, Cutler and Hayes, usually that Cypher-Sage duo playing those Sentinels, playing those defensive roles, putting Cutler on Rays in a, you know, high-stakes series, trying him out for the first time. That's really we're trying things. And I also think the thing that C9, why C9 won the series is, is they, they went full Sentinels where they played stupidly aggressive around 10s and they followed through with everything. And it, it was really fun to see where where 10s was running in with a judge just all over the map. He was just flying around with the judge. And even if it looked like a dumb play, C9 was there to back him up and trade out kills. And that's something they've been missing in other events where it seems like they've been discombobulated in terms of uh, uh, synchro- uh, being synced. And I also think that just 10s, not only playing the operator role, he was kind of, he was playing everything. He was playing judge. He was playing, uh, uh, he was playing uh, phantom. He was playing operator. He was playing a new gun, like every single round. He played really, really aggressive and it caught TSM off guard where it felt like at times they just didn't know where tens would be and tens would just pop up with a shotgun and kill them all. And that's kind of how the series went where mm-hmm. they never really found a grasp on tens where compared to G- Gen G, who came in versus t- uh, 10s, and 10s played that same aggressive style. They were still playing that aggressive style, and Genji had them on lock, and 10s couldn't do any of the stuff he was doing against TSM. He tried to bring out the judge, and he got shot down every single time, and he just got slapped down. So I think they surprised TSM a bit. I do like uh, this new aggressive style, where I think a lot of NA teams are playing a lot more aggressive, uh, especially Genji, putting out the... the not only with uh, Wynn playing Jet for the first time and uh, Gamon playing Phoenix. Mm-hmm. He had a great Phoenix tournament. So I like the more aggression to kind of match TSM's aggression. Uh, but I just think when it came to the Genji series that Genji had a good plan to play against 10s because the judge, the judge Jetty, as our friend Simo coined, was very good versus TSM, but it did not look as sharp against Genji. Uh, I asked, uh, speaking of trying out new things, I actually asked TSM's head coach, Tailored, about the uh, Sageless comps, not just on Ascent, but we also saw it on Bind in this tournament. So I, I asked him, are we phasing out Sage? Like, are you finding that the utility is nerfed to the point where other agents are more useful in your comps? And he said, there's a lot of reasons for this. The main one on Ascent is what we wanted to try a comp with two smoke characters, so we knew that before. 
Uh, I've seen teams in scrims start phasing Sage out as of late. She's still quite strong on certain maps positions, and she only gets one, maybe two useful heals a game. Ascent and Bind are least viable for her, uh, but mostly Ascent. So we might see Sage less, but still a viable character. Emily, you actually did the uh, percentages for you did the Vitality Open, right? Uh, on yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I was looking at Vitality Open because uh, Fabrican are kind of the like. I'm sorry, they're doing construction upstairs. But, um, <laughs> so it's a it's a bathroom uh, party. Let's I know, go. Right, like uh, that's just the smokes above my uh, apartment. Um, I think the the so Fabrican were kind of the first team to really bring this to the forefront in Europe. Um, which is why I was tracking it through the Vitality Open. And there was a pretty, like, spread, uh, like, interesting spread of Sageless comps. She's still, like, incredibly viable. Um, but she was pretty much, like, neck and neck with Rays in terms of pick rate, right under Cypher, who is, like, now the, you cannot have, previously you couldn't have a composition without Sage. Now you cannot have a composition without Cypher. Um but we saw, like, to to his point, we saw in the Pulse Invitational, like, to, to also back up the point that Tyler was talking about, about being, like, super aggressive to match C9's aggression around 10s, uh, you know, Gen G ran a Sageless comp on Ascent uh, using the double smokes from Omen, Brim, and then Phoenix for entry, and it worked out really, really well. So, I, I mean, I, NA, NA loves, if there's <laughs> anything to come out of the Vitality, like, putting Vitality and Pulse side by side, it's that NA does not like Breach do not for whatever like Breach. reason. Except but Shazam. They love, Shazam. They love Phoenix. Yeah, except Shazam, Shazam is the only Shazam loves Breach, but we, yeah, NA is Phoenix. We like the Phoenix And then play. Europe hates Phoenix. Yeah, they hate Phoenix. And love Breach. So yeah. it's very interesting. Like, that's, if there's, like, one... Now that both regions are trying out Sageless comps, if there's one major compositional difference between EU and NA, it's that. Yeah. So let's talk about the Vitality EU Open. G2 uh, dominate. Jacob, I know you, we've been talking a lot about you know Liquid entering and teams being pretty hesitant, etc. Uh, but this was really a coming out party, for, or at least a coronation party is probably a better way to say it, for G2. Uh, they looked great throughout the entire tournament. Uh, they put together a very solid roster, and it really paid off here. But what do you think in terms of, as we analyze the tournament as well, just the open format and also the idea that, you know, this was really a launchpad tournament for orgs to take a look at some players and say, okay, I think we at least have a good scouting report now on where we can pick up some players in five stacks. Yeah, I think it served both in that regard right so i think that g2 g2 obviously sort of showed everyone what they were made of and i th like i think it was time for that to happen right like i i believe a lot in a lot of the players in g2 and i think that their performance was really apparent so i don't really have much to say about them other than well done um but the players on uh fabrican and also party parrots i think this was a big moment for them i think that 
we, we look at what happened with those rosters, and it, and the reason I don't mention Prodigy, by the way, is because most of them did get picked up by Ninjas and Pajamas mm-hmm. after this event, or like officially announced as a part of Ninjas and Pajamas, so they're set. But the Fabrican players and, and also the players on Party Parrots um, had a really good tournament. Um, Angel, Angel was great, the Ukrainian player for Party Parrots, uh, former Counter-Strike player um, for Hellraisers and some other orgs. Um, I think that this tournament served its purpose i like the open format actually and and a lot of those teams that came in through the qualifier and the open format did okay right like it, to me like that is the way europe needs to go if europe is not going to have these big name orgs that bring in all this like exposure by coming into your tournament as brands then i'm cool with with opens happening more frequently in europe given the state of the ecosystem um you know what's the difference between like Team ABC and Party Parrots coming into your event, right? Like, nothing, right? Like, and if Team ABC is the better team on the day in the qualifier, then, like, they deserve to be there more, right? So, to me, like, I'm cool with this format continuing on. I thought the tournament was enjoyable, um, and I hope to see more of it as we sort of move forward rather than invitationals, because I, I don't think we're going to see as many European orgs, as I said earlier, jump on the on the hype to get a Valorant team right now. What about, uh, Tyler, there was one point in this tournament where there were some cheating allegations there. Uh, initially, it sounded like it was tied to Noel Penke, uh, but that was quickly fixed. Can you just take us through that? Uh, so that wasn't the Vitality European Open. That was actually the We Play Invitational oh, that's that currently yeah. ongoing. So uh, Noel Penke, uh, the Lithuanian team that qualified through the second qualifier, beating the Opportunists in the final uh, their first game of the tournament versus G2 was heavily delayed. It was delayed once, it was delayed twice, it was delayed after all the other matches had been taking place, it got delayed another 30 minutes, so it's like, then the whole cheating allegations came out, where it's like, oh, no, Panky, did they cheat, did they cheat? Uh, then it, it kind of came resolved, and I, I, don't, I don't think it's been made point of enough. The cheating accusations against No Pinky weren't against No Pinky. It was a it was against a team in No Pinky's qualifier to yeah. get into the tournament. So it was No Pinky had nothing to do with any sort of cheating allegations. There's nothing they are as clean as can be. They're the one you can say they're as clean as any other team in the world. They made the tournament uh by all their you know good play. They're doing very well in the uh tournament currently they're playing need more dm the hungarian team tomorrow to see which team will make into to the top mm-hmm. four mm-hmm. uh the only thing i mean so yeah uh good on no pinky please do not ever call them cheaters there's nothing bad about them they weren't even looked into as to being possible cheaters it was someone in their qualifier who got vanguarded and they had to check it out for whatever reason so don't don't Get on no pinky, even though their best player is called Vac, which is <laughs> that doesn't their best player. It's pretty great, actually. Yeah, yeah, their their best player, who's their operator on Jet, is called Vac. Vac. So uh, that that kind of sucks. But no pinky, I, I like watching them. So I, I do hope they do play well tomorrow. Please don't ever, you know, nothing cheating allegations around them. It wasn't like artists. It was all a misunderstanding. So is there a concern here, Emily? Is there is there a concern that? We're getting such a cheating allegation so early in the life cycle of this game, like, or 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 was um, this to be expected? I mean, with everything online, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't had more. To be honest, like, I'm kind of surprised at how few cheating allegations we've had across all games, uh, with all of them being online. Like, I I know that sounds that makes me sound like highly skeptical and I don't think we're going to have like a, a sudden slew of cheating allegations across multiple esports. but 
I do. I, I am like somewhat surprised that we haven't had more only because the nature of everything being online and not land means that uh, people might feel a little bit more comfortable with trying to cheat. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it's like, I think this is something that happens. Um, and the fact that it's coming out and it's been investigated and the fact that we have had people being investigated and either being cleared, like we talked about with artists previously, um, with no pinky, I think it was just a matter of like messaging where people, you know, like misconstrued it as no pinky cheated, which they didn't. Um, so hopefully people will stop flaming them on social media, please. Um, but like, I, I, I don't think this is like, oh my gosh, everyone in Valorant is trying to cheat. Um, I think it's just a natural evolution of the game as they're trying to weed out people who are attempting to cheat. And in, you know, qualifiers like this, like, People will probably try because it's all online. Uh, Jacob had to boogie, so we're going to end the show without him. Let's just give our predictions for the We Play tournament ending this weekend. Tyler, let's start with you. Who's winning and why? Uh, I think third place will go to Ninjas and Pajamas. They're a really solid team. Uh, really like Lucker. Uh, I think that overall they will be a force to be reckoned with in the future. I think the finals is going to be a rematch of the pre of today's. Uh, barn burner between party parrots and G2. I think G2 will continue on with its perfect overall record. I think they were going to win their second ignition series tournament and they will win two to one over the Russians from party parrots. Very specific. Great series. Very specific, but I need to trash talk next week when this actually happens. So nice. I believe in Carlson, the boys next week is going to bring another dub back to the G2 headquarters. Let's see, Emily, the more specific Tyler gets, the more we can say, yeah, but it wasn't a two-to-one series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, I also think G2 are going to win, though. I just think right now they're head and shoulders above all the other teams at this event. The big question is who's going to end up in like facing them in the grand final, and uh, it's Party Parrots, Fish123, and NIP in that discussion. I actually think that after the, like, basically uh, the high match, wh what they're calling it, or, like, the upper bracket match between NIP and G2, I think that's going to be, the, uh, it's going to be a rematch of that for the finals. Um, although it's, like, really close between Party Parrots and NIP for me. Uh, I'd love for Fish123 to upset, but I think, again, they're still trying to figure out uh, who's going to opt for the team, how they're going to work. So I don't think this is their tournament to make grand finals. Um, I'll stick with NIP though. I think, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just feeling NIP despite the fact that, you know, they, they obviously have holes. They have some arena dependency. That's pretty interesting. Um, that a few other teams have, I'm going to go G2 over NIP, but I think I'm going to go 2-0 or 3-0, I think. Right. Cause they get the automatic right. seated, uh, like first, first game. I think G2 will be coming from the upper side. So. So don't forget, that's the We Play Invitation. It will culminate on Sunday the following week on our show. We will be previewing the PAX Arena Tournament. Woo! This show's on every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget, Tyler has a brand new program, a Valorant Power Ranking show, every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern, where he's going to have special guests come in and challenge him in ranking the <laughs> top 10. And so this Monday is going to be uh, EU, right? Yes, uh, this weekend will be Europe's on the board. We will be looking at the Vitality Open plus the We Play Invitation. We should have a good understanding of the top five, and then we'll 
played out in the top 10. So hopefully I can get it done on the board because I'm 0 1. I, I lost the Twitter poll to Arda Rip. somehow. I was Good not going to bring Arda. it up. I was not going to bring uh, it up. I lost like 0.2%. On, on, my, on my own show, I lost my debut match. So whatever. I only, <laughs> I only flame you in Slack. Mm. Not on the shows. Only uh, privately in our ESPN esports ch- Slack channels. Anyway, on that note, those are both of our weekly Valorant programs and tons of content on our YouTube channel slash ESPN esports. Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy the weekend.